Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Long may she reign. Presented to you by Aidan Fitzgerald. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long May She Reign podcast. I'm Aiden. I'm your host for this podcast. I know I forgot to pop my pop today. It's very sad. I already opened it up before I started the episode. Because, you know, I was a little thirsty, so too late for that. But anyway, (laughs) I hope you guys are all well. Um, I've had very uh, interesting weeks. So lately I've been kind of watching, like, old nostalgic TV shows that I've never seen. And uh, one of those is uh, The O.C., which I'm sure you're like, how has she not seen The O.C., right? Well, uh, you know, when it was on, what, like, from, like, 2003 to, like the mid-aughts, I was, I was a small child who, you know, wouldn't have understood the, uh, innate greatness that is the OC, and I'm actually really liking it a lot, like, I didn't think I'd, like, like it, but it's also, like, surprisingly, um, like, modern, like, for its time, like, it's something that could, like, still come out today, of course it has its, like, you know, early 2000s, like, facets in a lot of ways, but it's actually surprisingly, like, you know, watchable. And I also appreciate that it's, like, only four seasons and not, like, got 11 seasons and it lasted, like, 10 years and, like, all the actors who, like, started out as, like, 25-year-olds playing teenagers were, like, 35 when it finished. Like, it's, like, a solid four-episode TV show. I mean, it's, like, still got its dramatic facets, but I still really enjoy it, despite the fact that I really don't like, like, early 2000s, um, kind of, like, well, I guess, but what would this be, like a teen drama? Yeah. Anyway, it's really good. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. I am I know I'm very late on this bandwagon, but, you know, I was like two when the show came out. Also, it's hilarious because uh, Rachel Bilson is on this show, and Rachel Bilson was engaged to Hayden Christensen, who was Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader, and they have a child together. And, like, Some of the actors, well, the characters in the show, like, make Star Wars references, like, when she's in the room, and it's hilarious. Because that age is like milk. It's so funny. Anyway, other than that, I've been, uh, well, I've been spending today packing for uh, university. Of course, I have, like, a bajillion clothes, so that's what's, like, taking up the bulk of my packing. And I know people are like, well, why don't you just leave some of your clothes home? no. What if I need that particular one item of clothing? What if I get invited somewhere? Not that I would, but what if I do? It could happen one of these days. So really, I need to take all my clothes and all my shoes because I'm a psychopath. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm getting sidetracked. You guys aren't here to hear about that. Okay, guys, today we are talking about Queen Salote Tapeo III of Tonga. Now, I'm sure many of you probably haven't heard of her before. Um, I think I heard about her the first time. Probably I was, you know, doing some um, research on Queen Elizabeth II because, you know, I'm sure she's gonna 
you know, croak one of these days and I'm going to have to put her on my list to like do on my show in like the next like five or so years. And I came across this photo of Queen Elizabeth II shaking hands with a very tall woman who I immediately thought she's probably Pacific Islander. She looks Pacific Islander. So I decided to Google who that woman was and it was Salote. And I just went down this like gigantic rabbit hole about who Salote was and, you know, what was her deal. And she just was, you know, absolutely fascinating to me. So I just knew I had to share her with you guys and she can become your favorite Pacific Islander queen because I know she's mine. She even beats out uh, Lulu Kalani from when I did my episode on her. Because Salote is just so much cooler and she has just like such an interesting story and I'm so excited to share it with you guys. So fasten your seatbelts. Let's get into it, guys. Oh, that pop was not been left in the refrigerator for long enough. Anyway, <laughs> okay, so Queen Salote III of Tonga was born on March 13, 1900 in the Royal Palace in Tonga to King George Tepeo II of Tonga and his first wife, Queen Lavinia. Now, of course, her being born on March 13th makes her a Pisces, which is a big rarity on this podcast because we've only ever had one other Pisces on this podcast, and it's not even a confirmed Pisces. Our last Pisces was Anne Bonnie, and we're not even 100% sure, like, about her birthday. We think she was born in March, but we're not 100% sure. So, uh, Salote has the, uh, distinction of being our only confirmed Pisces on the podcast, so, you know, good for her. It would have been funny if we had had another Aquarius, because, what, I've done other, two other Aquarius women recently? Anyway, now, one thing I love most about Pisces, women especially, is that they're the most empathetic of the zodiac signs, and I feel like that really fits Slote because she was a truly kind and gracious person who, you know, cared about her people, and based on what I read, she seemed to be uh, emotionally mature and emotionally intelligent, which, you know, are quite good qualities in a future ruler, so, you know, good for her, go Pisces women, we love Pisces women. Okay, so before we get into Salote's story, uh, let's uh, do a bit of a geography and history lesson, because I feel like a lot of people, especially me before I uh, did research for this episode, don't know a lot about the country of Tonga, or might not even actually know that Tonga is its own independent country. So let's, uh, you know, get ready for a little Tongan history and cultural lesson. <laughs> Our little historical context segment. Okay, so Tonga is an island nation uh, comprising of about 170 islands. Its two closest neighbors are Fiji, which is 900 kilometers to the west of them, and New Zealand, about 2,000 kilometers to the south. So by neighbors, I really mean, eh, yeah, it's over there. It's more of what I mean. It's like, when I lived in Alberta as a kid, you know, people who were 300 kilometers away from you were, like, basically your neighbors. So, I'm sure uh, Salote was feeling that because, you know, Tonga, like, in its 170 islands is huge and, like, all its closest neighbors are so fucking far away. Anyway, the main island of Tonga is Tonga Tapu, and... Basically, Tonga relies on its agriculture, fishing, and really uh, the money sent home by Tongans living abroad. Actually, a great deal of Tongans uh, live abroad, uh, many of them living in New Zealand um, to, you know, 
do other forms of work to, you know, contribute to the Tongan economy. Now, Tonga's current population is 100,000 people. Uh, most of the population speaks the native language of Tongan. Uh, also, a great deal of people in Tonga speak English because of, you know, contact with Europeans, colonization, shit like that. Now, Tonga is a profoundly Christian country. And back in Salote's time, uh, Christianity was also very uh, rampant in Tonga. And like I said, it's very... Uh, very Christian country even going into today. Now, Europeans first made contact with Tonga in 1616 when the Dutch initially came to the island, followed by British explorers like <coughs> James Cook, who uh, visited the island three times before uh, meeting his very stupid and lame end on a Hawaiian beach when he tried to kidnap the uh, high chief of Hawaii. But, you know, I'm pretty sure we talked about that with little Kalani. <laughs> So no need to get into that story of how James Cook died like a bitch on a beach. Anyway, now Tonga for most of its history was ruled by various chieftains going back to God well into the 9th century until in 1845 Tonga became an official kingdom and Salote's great-great-great-grandfather uh, became the first king of Tonga as George I of Tonga. Now, uh, her great-great-grandfather reigned from about 1845 to 1893 and uh, was succeeded by his uh, great-grandson, Salote's father, George II. So, uh, by uh, Salote's birth, the monarchy of Tonga was a reasonably new concept, like this, like, European style of uh, Tongan monarchy, because, of course, like I said, they had had chieftains going back to the 9th century, but them having, like, kings and queens was, like, a whole new thing for them, and, you know, since her dad was only monarch number two of the kingdom, um, it was, you know, a lot to live up to. <laughs> Now, speaking of Slote's parents, let's talk about them, starting with her dad. Now, Slote's dad, George, was born in 1874, and at the age of 18, he unexpectedly became king of Tonga when his great-grandfather died. And uh, since he was basically, like, his great-grandfather's only living descendant, he ended up succeeding as George II of Tonga. Now, George II's reign was troubled, like bad. Uh, it was filled with government corruption and really just bad inefficiency in the Tongan government. Now, the Tongan parliament in 1900 was suspicious of the king's governing, and actually, G George II got audited, like, several times, uh, finding discrepancies uh, worth thousands of British pounds. And, you know what, in George's younger years, he was a bit of a playboy, uh, which actually massively pissed off his parliament because they wanted him to, like, you know, settle down and produce an heir as fast as possible because he was basically, like, the last branch of this family. And he needed to, like, you know, fucking hurry the fuck up or else shit was gonna go down. Uh, but instead, he decided he would rather fool around with his Eng English mistress, our Margaret Croker, uh, which actually uh, produced two illegitimate daughters, uh, Unia and Anna. Now, both, both of these girls' births had to be kept pretty secret because it would have been uh, rather scandalous for the King of Tonga to have uh, children with an English commoner. Well, really, in general, it was scandalous for the King of Tonga to have illegitimate children in the first place, but that's a whole other tangent. 
Also, uh, fun side note, actually a little connection to our only other Pacific Queen we've ever done on this podcast. I found out that Salote's father was very good friends with uh, King Kalakuaka of Hawaii, who is Lilukulani's brother. So, like, what an interesting connection, because, you know, you know, two of the most, you know, prominent Pacific monarchs were, like, you know, bros, like, fist bump, you know? I thought there was an interesting connection. Anyway, a couple of years into George's reign, King George agreed to consider settling down, and the chiefs of the country made it very, very clear that they wanted George to marry, um, okay, I'm gonna butcher this, Princess Ofa Ki Vauvau, who was the daughter of Ma'atu, uh, who was related to the Tuiaha Oh, okay. Basically, he was related to the uh, last royal line. Uh, the one before Tonga was a kingdom. Anyway, uh, Princess Ofa was, like, kind of, like, the last of that line. And really, Parliament thought it would be a good idea to, like, bring those two lines together. You know, put the old royal blood and the new royal blood. Uh, you know, everything would be fucking cool. However... <laughs> George was really uninterested in marrying her, and he initially wanted to marry this German lady named Jane, but she was common, so Parliament immediately was like, fuck no, man, there's no way you're marrying her. But in 1899, after getting over Jane, George fell in love with a lady named Lavinia Viaongo. Now, who was Slote's eventual mother. Now, Lavinia had some old noble blood, but it was very, very distant. Her parents uh, were still very well-respected members of the community. Her father uh, was actually serving as a minister of the police, um, and her mother was a well-connected noblewoman. But Parliament was a little iffy on this choice. Even though Lavinia had decent noble blood, uh, all of her noble blood was on her mom's side, so uh, that was considered a rather inappropriate choice for a king. But George didn't really give a shit. He wanted to marry Lavinia. He was, like, desperately in love with her. So he made Parliament basically fucking choose, hoping that they would take his side, but they didn't. Uh, he insisted that they marry Princess Offa. So George decided to play a little hardball with Parliament. He declared that he would never marry if he wasn't allowed to marry Lavinia. Now, because he was basically the only person in line left, that made Parliament a little uh, nervous. It made them sweat a little bit. And they realized, fuck, we gotta let this guy have what he wants. So they let George have his fucking way. Now, Saloji's parents got married on the 1st of June, 1899, uh, with uh, Tongan nobility and European guests in attendance at their wedding. Now, during the ceremony, the king placed a golden crown on his wife, new wife's head and proclaimed her Queen of Tonga. And, you know, at that ceremony, people were like, well, maybe it'll be all right. But, oh, fucking boy, it was not. Now, Saloji was born almost exactly nine months after her parents' wedding. And she was a bit of a disappointment, especially to Parliament, because everyone had been expecting, you know, a boy to be the next king. But her parents, in general, seemed pretty happy enough with her birth. They were like, yay, a girl first. We don't really mind that. Uh, but the nobles and some of the common people of Tonga were not happy with her birth, not just because she was a girl. 
Now, many of the supporters of Princess Ulfa uh, that Salote's father was supposed to marry actually sent, uh, like, written death threats to the palace because they believed Salote was born of what they called the wrong mother. It was taken, actually, these threats were taken so seriously that Salote, in her uh, younger years, like, from, like, the time she was born to... Oh, gosh, from the time she was sent to school, she wasn't allowed to leave the palace except to uh, walk the gardens, like, on the, like, kind of on the outside of the palace, because it was very, very likely that had she been, like, allowed outside and, like, allowed to go to school initially, she probably would have been, like, straight murdered. Now, when Slote was about two years old, her mother unfortunately passed away from tuberculosis. And even though she probably didn't remember her mother very well, I'm sure having the uh, lack of a mother figure growing up probably, like, really messed her up, especially because of, you know, how her mother was treated. And I'm sure she missed her mother very much, as did her fa father, George. Now, uh, after Lavinia's death, George tried to avoid remarriage to produce a son for a while, because after all, he had been, like, desperately in love with Lavinia, and he had fought so hard to marry her, and in less than three years, she was dead. So it took him, like, a very long while to get over it. But uh, basically, after, like, I think, like, a year, um, his parliament kind of lost its patience and insisted he married again. So in the year 1809, he married Princess Asieni, who was actually the little sister of the woman he was supposed to marry. So, you know, Parliament got their way this time. Now, the hope was that she would quickly produce, like, a batch of sons, and that Slote would never succeed to the throne, but that's not quite what happened. Now, Slote's new stepmom had some serious fertility issues. She ended up giving birth to two daughters, uh, Princess Onulea, who uh, unfortunately passed away after a few months of being born, and Princess Fuspala, who did make it to adulthood, but still ended up dying exceptionally young. Now, Slote never got the chance to have an actual relationship with her stepmother, because when her dad uh, got married, um, she was kind of sent away as sort of a form of exile, because it was thought that she was going to have brothers soon, so Parliament was like, you know, just fucking send her away. We don't even need to hear about her ever again. So, Slote in, um, oh, sorry, it was 1909. Why did, did I say 1809 originally? I'm sorry, I meant 1909 for her, for Slote getting a new stepmom. I messed that up. I'm sorry. Anyway, in that same year, 1909, Slote was sent to New Zealand to start her education. So, let's talk a little bit about her education and my, what she might have looked like. Okay, so Slote's education was pretty standard at the beginning, uh, with her learning basics like, of course, reading, writing, uh, math, and history, and really pretty much all the other stuff that most girls were learning at her school. Uh, you know, just basic standard stuff. Now, New Zealand was essentially Slote's second home because she was there for, God, like 11 out of the 12 months of the year at school, and she was really only allowed to come back home to Tonga during Christmas time. So, like, I think she got, like, three weeks in Tonga out of the year. But for the rest of the year, she was entirely in New Zealand, which, you know, I'm sure was uh, kind of lonely. Now, despite not being able to go home a lot, uh, believe it or not, Slote kept up a decent correspondence with her dad, and they had an incredibly close relationship through letters. 
And I'm also assuming that he could probably telephone her because after all this was the 1900s and phones were like a thing. So like, I don't know if like they were able to telephone. I don't know if that was like possible, but like, I hope so. Now, in 1914, um, a couple years into Salote's education, it became fairly apparent that Salote's stepmom was not fucking popping out a baby boy anytime soon. So her father decided it was actually time to start formally training her for the throne. Now, she was allowed to return home and was given homeschooling to complete her education. Uh, she was taught about the history of Tonga, about politics and administration, make sure that she was ready to take on such a huge responsibility as being the first ruling queen of Tonga. Now, as for what she looked like, she was definitely someone you were going to remember if you met her. You know, I say this, as I mentioned at the start of the episode, she was much taller than Queen Elizabeth II, uh, but to be fair, everyone is. Queen Elizabeth II is rather short, but, you know, Slote was oddly tall, like, bitch was fucking tall, like a tree. As an adult, I believe she stood at six foot three, which is basically, like, women's NBA, like, model, like, fucking high, like, she is fucking huge. She just, like, towered over everyone. And, you know, we love our tall queens. But for me at 5'7", I would definitely, like, <laughs> be scared of her. Like, I think, I think, like, in relation to her, I'm probably, like, up to her shoulder, which, you know, is very interesting to me, because that's, like, the first time I'd, you know, I'd ever feel short. Like, I'm fairly tall for a woman at 5'7", but her being naturally 6'3", is awesome. <laughs> Now, also, I have to mention, she was, like, pretty, pretty cute. She was very pretty. In my opinion, every photo I've seen of her, she is so photogenic. She is just such a nice smile. And, you know, you know, her Pacific Islander jeans are, like, popping off. It's really working for her. She has, like, these really nice dark brown eyes, uh, brown skin, dark black hair. And personally, you know, looking at both of her parents, I think she takes after her mother the most in her looks. Uh, actually, one of my favorite photos of Slote, which um, I've put in the hint that I've put on Twitter today uh, for for this episode, is a picture of her from about 1909, like uh, just before she sent off for her education. She's about nine years old, and it's the cutest fucking picture ever because of the way she's dressed. She kind of she kind of looks like Ariel, like, with, like, the hair bow she has in her hair and the way her hair is styled, and also, like, I believe, like, like, The Little Mermaid is meant to be set in the early 1900s, so, like, it, like, really fits, and, like, I just want to, like, pinch her little fucking cheek. She's, like, so cute. Like, if you guys haven't seen this photo of Slote when she's, like, nine years old, fucking Google it right now. It's the cutest shit you're ever gonna say. Anyway. <laughs> Now, as Salote got older and older and became closer to marriageable age, which was like in her late teens, like 16, 17, her father started making a serious effort to find her a good partner to serve as her consort so that she would have, you know, less trouble doing, you know, queeny things when it was her turn to be queen. Now, there were a lot of eligible suitors for her hand, but at the top of the list was a guy named Prince Tungi. Now, one of the reasons he was chosen was because he was descended from not one, but two of the old royal bloodlines. So, not only was he noble, but he was also a person who wasn't going to piss off Parliament, like Salote's parents' marriage had initially done. So, her and Prince Tungi were engaged in about 1916. Uh, their Christian wedding ceremony took place on the 19th of September, 1916. And two days after that, they had their should 
the traditional Tongan wedding ceremony, which was kind of like the more official one. You know, they had the Christian one because most of Tonga was, you know, Christian. But, you know, they also still wanted to uh, integrate their uh, old, you know, pre-Christian traditions. Now, we don't really have any specifics on their wedding, so I went down a, a little rabbit hole about Tongan weddings. And I gotta tell you, some of the stuff actually sounds like pretty fucking cool. Like, Tongan weddings sound like lit. Now, Tongan couples like Salote and Tungi would have worn traditional garments made from uh, tapa mats, which are like these grass mats, which, you know, look pretty cool on. Now, their wedding reception would have included, uh, you know, speeches, gift, get it, gift giving, I'm sorry, dancing, singing, and the best part, lots and lots of food to fill one's stomach. Oh, and did I mention the roast pig? Yeah, they would have had a lot of that. <laughs> and I'm sure it would have been delicious. I'm sure everyone had a bomb time at that wedding. I want to go to a Tongan wedding. This shit sounds lit. I love a good roast pig. It's great. Anyway, that's probably what their wedding would have been like. Now, before we move on, let's talk a bit about Salote's new husband, her new boothang, Tungi. Now, Tungi was the son of the Honorable Sayososi Tukahu, who uh, basically was officially known as Lord Tungi. Uh, he had served as Prime Minister of uh, Tonga from 1890 to 1893. Um, now, the line of Tungi sh chiefs hailed from the super important vi village of Takakamung. Tonga. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing all of this. I really do practice this shit. But I just can't pronounce anything. <laughs> anyway, Tungi was descended from uh, the defunct royal line of high chiefs, who uh, at this time were more or less seen as uh, deputy rulers under uh, the current kings. Now, even though they had such a fierce following among the uh, people of the island they ruled, um, if not from, like, the whole district of Tonga. They they were a pretty popular, like, secondary line to the royal family, so this was, like, you know, a great marriage for Slote. Now, Tungi's mother was uh, Lady Mele, and she was the granddaughter of a very important Tongan chief. Uh, this is his other royal line. Basically, Tungi was, like, blue-blooded royalty and actually um, had... Slote not been born, uh, Tungi would have been the next king anyway. So, like, you know, good strategic marriages. And also, you know, one thing I have to mention, Tungi was 13 older, 13 years older than her when they got married. She was, uh, 16 and he was 29, which is super, bleh, especially in, like, the early 1900s. Like, come on, guys, you can found someone younger. Anyway, at least he wasn't, like, you know, geriatric, like a fucking 50 to 60-year-old man. I appreciate that he was, like, you know, under 30 at least. Anyway, I was not able to find really much on their relationship, but based on what I read about her time as queen and uh, his time serving as uh, her prince consort and her prime minister, uh, they seem to work well together. So, uh, you know, I, I, I hope they were very happy, you know, as happy as royal couples could go. Also, I've been staring at a lot of pictures of him recently, and he wasn't that bad looking. So, you know, hopefully that helped in their relationship. I hope they had a very uh, loving and good marriage, because, you know, I wish that on Slote. Anyway, now in 1918, <laughs> Slote's father began to get very, very sick. 
and on April 5th, 1918, her father died at the royal palace, and at just 18 years old, Salote was now crowned as Tonga's first queen, as Salote III of Tonga. Now, I bet you're wondering, why on earth was she crowned as Salote III if as I have mentioned several times, she was Tonga's first and is so far been their only queen. Well, while Western uh, style, sorry, while the Western style Tongan monarchy was very new, you have to remember one that they had had various chiefs before that. And, you know, there had been two previous female ruling chiefs, uh, also named Salote. So uh, that's one of the reasons she was considered number three. Uh, but there's also another reason for this. Uh, she was the third Tupeo monarch. So she was more, like in her title, it's more uh, the third Tupeo instead of the third Salote. So like, you know, that that kind of explains her numbering. She's like, the first official queen, but she's also like the third Slote to one be in this position and also the third of her, you know, kingly line. So, you know, that explains the whole third thing, even though she was the first queen ever. Anyway, Slote's official coronation took place on the 11th of October, which is two days before my birthday. And I decided to go uh, down a small rabbit hole, another one, about um, Tongan coronation ceremonies. Because I was very curious about how they worked and, like, how they uh, planned to um, kind of, like, integrate uh, European-style coronations and, you know, their own traditions. Now, Slote, her first coronation was uh, a European-style coronation where she was crowned with a gold crown that was a gift from an English missionary. And she also had a scepter and, like, an ermine fur robe and everything, like, you know, all European monarchies would have had. However, she did uh, mix in the traditions of the ancient chiefs of Tonga, uh, where she uh, drank the traditional kava tea. Now, the ancient kings of Tonga used to be crowned under this particular tree, but unfortunately, by the time Slote had become queen, uh, the tree had been taken down in a storm in about the 1890s. Uh, so her father had pieces of that tree embedded in the gold crown that they were all wearing. So it was still very much a part of the ceremony. You know, if the, you know, the wood of the tree is in the crown you're being crowned with, it's basically like you're being crowned under the tree still. <laughs> Now, after the coronation, Slote was celebrated with a huge feast where I'm sure they ate a whole bunch of roast pig and dozens of other types of food. And now she was very much indeed the Queen of Tonga. Go, Slote. Okay, so before we talk about Slote's uh, wonderful time serving as Queen of Tonga, we have to have a little bit of break for babies uh, because she, you know, had a couple with her husband. Now, Slote became a mother for the first time in July 1918 when she gave birth to her oldest son, Sio, uh, sorry, Sia O.C., uh, which was really exciting for her especially, and I think really for the whole country, because she had fulfilled her duty to Tonga before she had even become queen, so go her. Now, a year later, um, after she had become queen, uh, she had her second son, uh, Uli, Uli um, Ami. Uli um, Ami, I'm so sorry that I'm mispronouncing these. I really mean no disrespect. I'm just so bad at pronouncing things. Anyway, uh, this kid unfortunately died uh, in his 20s, 
he didn't quite make it to, you know, well, I mean, he made it past 18. Anyway. And after uh, three unfortunate miscarriages spanning over 10 years, she had her last son, uh, Prince Sioni. Now, I wasn't able to find much about Salote as a mother, but it seems like she had a really close relationship with all three of her sons, and that she generally ca genuinely cared about their upbringing, and making sure that all three of her boys were, you know, well-educated and loved, and that they had her and uh, their dad as a constant presence in their lives, which is very sweet, and I love that, especially because, you know, she was sent away by Parliament at a young age, and she, you know, probably doesn't remember her mother, so it's it's very nice of her to be so actively interested in her son's lives because, you know, her parents weren't really, you know, there for that. Okay, now enough about that. Let's talk about badass Queen Slote. Now, Slote at the start of her reign had some serious issues to deal with after her father's death because her dad hadn't been the best king in the world. He seemed like a pretty great dude, but wasn't that great at ruling. Now, Parliament was sort of extending, you know, that hate that they had for her dad, towards Slote, especially because, you know, she was young, a young woman. She was fucking 18 years old. She was also a woman. Now, barely two years into her reign, Parliament tried to fucking overthrow her, which was like a whole thing, but, you know, I won't get into that. Basically, the, the moral of that story is that it didn't work, thanks to her husband, who, uh, you know, was serving as her prime minister and managed to uh, stop Parliament's plot to overthrow her. She also had to deal with a whole religious revolution when the two branches of Christianity uh, on the well, Tong main Tongan Island had a falling out uh, for the first couple of years of her reign. Now, luckily, Slote and Tungi were able to solve it, and the church was, you know, you know put back together and became completely uh, whole again. Actually, I have to give it up to Prince Tungi mostly in this uh, little relig religious revolution because at first, uh, you know, Slote was not popular because of her parentage, but uh, Tungi really supported Slote from, like, day one. He he helped the people of Tonga sort of warm up to her. He was like, well, you know, I love her, so you should love her too. Uh, and, you know, with, you know, his natural charisma and also his, like, old world blood, uh, he helped her become super popular, and once everyone realized how uh, cool she really was, you know, they started to, like, really warm up to her. And, you know, after that point, Slote realized how much she wanted to do for Tonga and, like, really how much she loved this country, even though initially this country had rejected her. Now, she was concerned with a lot of issues, uh, such as infrastructure and women's rights. Uh, Slote had better roads and hospitals built, not to mention she uh, was able to amend the Tongan constitution, and uh, she was able to get women the right to vote after uh, World War II, which, you know, was a, a little, uh, about like 20 years late um, uh, for, you know, most countries, but she, she got it done, she got women the vote. Uh, it's also primarily thanks to her that Tonga is uh, actively working on women's issues, uh, such as getting rid of spousal abuse. Uh, Slote was also very interested in investing in research to explore Tonga's past. Now, in the 1920s, she funded the Bernice P. Bishop Museum Bayard Dominic Exhibition, that's a really long name, with their mapping of Tongan archaeological sites by providing access to localities and information. Now, the expedition's reports on the Tongan past, including a large volume 
sorry, included a large volume of material, which uh, actually I believe still remains unpublished even today. Now, most of this research was primarily compiled by N Edward Winslow Gifford, and he provided the groundwork for comprehensive studies of the pre-contact history of the Tongans. Also, very interestingly, I found out Slote was actually a, a prolific writer who uh, loved poetry and music, uh, which uh, is published by her biographer who wrote this wonderful biography on her that I wasn't able to get my hands on, which sucks, because I wanted to know so much more about her. Like, uh, honestly, a lot of the uh, the stuff on her uh, more personal life, especially about her poetry, love poetry and music, is uh, not exactly easy to uh, obtain, which is very disappointing for me. And I wasn't able to find a uh, very accessible version of that biography, which really sucks. But, you know, hopefully I'll be able to get my hands on it one of these days, and then I'll recommend it to you guys. Anyway, uh, when World War II began in 1939, Slote was very prepared for it. After all, she had been queen for about 21 years at this point, and she was ready to defend her country at all costs and support Tonga's close allies, like the British, for example. Now, Slote uh, officially declared war on Germany in 1940 and actively supported British troops by sending what supplies and soldiers that they could spare. Now, after the attack on Pearl Harbor and Jan Japan's increasing takeover of Pacific Islands quite near to Tonga, uh, Tonga officially declared war on Japan in 1941 and worked with American troops during the Solomon Islands campaign, including on uh, Guadula Canal, where they helped the Allies get a stronger position in the Pacific Theater. Now, during the war, the Tong Tongans' contribution was seen as far outweighing the size of their very tiny country. Tongans fundraised enough monies to have airplanes built to fight and served in the Tongan Defense Force, and really, they were a huge contributing factor to the Allied cause. I think really more than anyone expected, and I don't think the, the Tongans get the uh, credit they deserve for uh, helping, you know, all the allied countries really do so well in the Pacific theater and really stopping the in encroaching of Imperial Japan. So fucking go, Slote, go, all you Tongan bitches who helped out during the war. I didn't mean to call you bitches, that was rude. Go, you guys. It, it was an amazing effort from Tonga. Now, also during the war, Slote unfortunately lost her husband, Tungi, in 1941, uh, not too long after she declared war on Japan. Uh, he died of some sort of illness. It doesn't exactly specify what he died of. And however, it was a massive blow to Slote. Slote and Tungi had been married for, gosh, like 25 years at this point. And he was her, like, ride or die fucking partner in all of this. And now, at the start, she hardly would have been able to rule effectively if it wasn't for him being, like, her, her fucking biggest cheerleader. And uh, despite the amount of grief she felt, she continued to muster on during World War II, uh, despite not having the support of her wonderful husband, until the Allied victory in 1945. Now, almost ten years after the Allied victory in 1945, in 1953, Slote received an invitation to attend the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II, which, you know, makes sense considering Tonga and the, the British actually had a very positive relationship. Uh, Tonga was a British protectorate, an ally. Now, that doesn't mean they were a colony technically. A British protectorate is almost kind of like a way of getting influence in a place 
where you can't like like they haven't colonized you like technically and like Tonga was its own independent country but like the British definitely had a lot of influence but like Salote was like you know cool with England and they had like a very positive relationship anyway now Salote made her way to England in 1953 and joined in in the coronation festivities uh she was sat in a carriage with uh Sultan Ibrahim the fourth of Malaysia um and this uh, carriage was going to take them to Westminster Abbey, where the Queen was going to be crowned. Now, when the carriage started its journey on the parade route, it started to rain, actually, uh, quite heavily. It was really drizzly the day that Queen Elizabeth II got coronated. And, you know, you know, most carriages, I think even today, have, you know, little collapsible roofs to, like, you know, keep people out of the rain. However, Slote refused... Uh, you know, the cover on the carriage, because Tongan tradition dictated that when honoring someone, you shouldn't copy their actions. So since Queen Elizabeth had rode in a carriage with a roof, Salote decided to ride in the rain with the Sultan. Um, and as her carriage drove by the people of London, they were like, woo, Salote! And actually, a lot of papers after... Um, the coronation praised her humbleness and her respect for Queen Elizabeth by, you know, choosing to get damp, unlike, you know, a lot of the other dignitaries and monarchs who were invited, you know, kept out of the rain. She, you know, just like soldiered on and, you know, continued to, you know, be really uh, courteous and cordial, 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 is that a word? Yeah, I'm sure it is. And, you know, it's it's just so cool that the people of London were, like, so enthused by her because of this. Um, it's also important to note that Salote was actually the only queen in her own right to be invited to the coronation. And, uh, you know, most people at that time didn't really know much about Tonga, so her presence really kind of, like, you know, put Tonga on the map and people were like, oh, who's this, who's this lady? Oh, she's the Queen of Tonga, where's Tonga? So they all started, you know, looking up Tonga with, uh, well, books. It was the 1950s, you don't have internet yet. Anyway, she really put Tonga on the map because of her presence at, at Queen Elizabeth's coronation, so good for her. Now, when Salote eventually reached Westminster Abbey, her hair was pretty wet, but luckily her grass skirt and silk cloak protected the rest of her. So, you know, she didn't look too disheveled when she sat down to watch the coronation. Now, not too long after the coronation, uh, the newly minted Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip on their uh, initial Commonwealth tour made a two-day stop to Tonga to visit Salote. Now, Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip were welcomed by Queen Salote. Um, her sons, I believe she only had her uh, two sons at this point, her uh, her second son had unfortunately died by this point, and Queen Salote's little brood of daughter-in-laws. Um, now, they met um, each other at the British residence, and when the two queens uh, reviewed the guard, people were just like, this is, this is like powerful. <laughs> Everyone was excited about this trip. Now, after uh, reviewing the guards, Slote held a huge Tongan feast for Queen Elizabeth with, of course, roast pig and uh, traditional Tongan dances to uh, honor Queen Elizabeth. Now, on the second day, the two queens attended a Christian service at the Wesleyan Church in uh, Tonga, and the royal couple saw a turtle, which had been actually shown to Captain Cook on his visit to Tonga in the 1770s, uh, which is crazy that that turtle was still alive. 
Uh, it reminds me of, like, the Galapagos turtles. Like, there's a turtle that's, like, still there that's, like, been alive since, like, the 1880s or something like that. Anyway, turtles live a long time, so that was cool. Uh, now, before uh, Queen Salote returned them to their boat and said goodbye uh, to them at the dock, uh, she uh, presented them with quite a lot of uh, nice gifts what they appreciated. And uh, that's actually where I've seen that photo of Slote, which, you know, managed to get me to Google her. It's from that um, initial visit by Queen Elizabeth. And they're, like, on the boat, and you can see Slote's sons behind her. And... You know, it's crazy. I've actually been looking at tons of photos and old footage from this tour because you can, it's its quite easy to find. And the funniest fucking thing to me during this whole tour is you can see how tall Salote is next to Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip. I mean, like I said before, Queen Elizabeth is rather short, but Prince Philip, he was a tall, he was a tall fucker. Like he was about like six foot and Salote is like three inches taller than him. So it's like funny watching this like footage of Prince Philip like having to like crane his neck to like stare up at Slote, just like talk to her because he's like he's like three inches shorter than her. So you guys gotta look up this footage. It's fucking hilarious. Anyway, this tour was a complete success and after this it created a very uh, lasting friendship between uh current Queen Elizabeth and Queen Slote and that really like lasted until Queen Slote's death. Now, speaking of Slote's death, in November of 1965, Slote was flown to Auckland in New Zealand so she could be treated for cancer and her diabetes. Uh, now, she was admitted to the hospital in December, and very quickly her condition started getting worse and worse as the cancer made, it way through, made its way through her body. And on December 16, 1965, she died in New Zealand at the age of 65. Now, Salote's body was flown back to Tonga, and her grand funeral took place the day before Christmas Eve on December 23rd, where over 50,000 Tongans, which is like, as I mentioned, that's half the fucking population, dressed in black and attended her funeral to celebrate their wonderful and amazing queen. Now, before we move on, let's talk a bit about Salote's son, who succeeded her, and the Tongan monarchy as it stands today. Now, Salote was... Slote was succeeded by her son and her oldest son and reigned as he reigned as a very popular king until he died in 2006 at the age of 88. Now he was succeeded by his son George who was a bit of playboy like his great grandfather. Um unfortunately uh, that George never managed to have any legitimate children so when he died in 2012 he was succeeded by his brother uh King Tapueo uh, the sixth in 2012, and King Tapeo the sixth is the current king of Tonga. Um, even today, he is an incredibly popular ruler who has made the Tongan monarchy even more popular uh, through adding uh, more democracy and reforming the government. And he was actually the person to help appoint the first non-noble prime minister of Tonga. Um, now, Tapeo uh, at this time he has three children. Um, I believe two girls. Is it, it's either two girls or one boy or two, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> um, the monarchy of Tonga is doing very, very well, especially because the current king has a decent amount of children to succeed him. And I'm sure the Tongan monarchy will continue to uh, live on very well because they seem to uh, be rather popular with their people. 
Okay, so getting into legacy. Fucking hell, where do I start with Slote? Like, Jesus Christ. Now, as of now, Slote is Tonga's only queen, but I'm hoping that one day Tonga will reform their succession laws and allow succession to oldest children rather than oldest son, and that one day we might have another queen in, Ta- in Tonga. Now, Salote was an incredible queen who genuinely cared about her people, her culture, and was just a fucking star. And also, as of right now, she is the longest reigning Tongan monarch at 48 years. So let's hope she keeps that record. Um, I'd really hate for anyone to uh, steal that record out from under her. I wonder if her... uh, her grandson will end up taking that from her. He, uh, I don't remember how old he is, but you never know. Anyway, thank you guys so much for joining me on this episode. I will see you guys in two weeks with another great episode. Love you guys. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at LongMayShireen2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you guys could do that. All right. uh, Bye.